0: I love to hear the buzz in the room as we wait to get to the time in the Word. I love to hear you talking and interacting with one another. I love to see the jovial looks on people's faces. I love to see people spending time at the coffee, at the coffee machine. And I love uh, so many cool things about our church. We're in a series called Real Church, and uh, it is about the, the book of Ephesians and looking to answer those questions. What is the church? It's you, it's me, and we all know that, and everything I've been talking about and preaching about, we know that. But uh, there's a difference between knowing and being. And may the Lord continue to grant an enlightening to us as we get into these messages, that our being, that our being actually grows in understanding and being the church. This is the second part of a message I started last week called, Can We Help You Find Your Seat? Now, it looks like you've all done a pretty good job of that. But we're talking about another seat. And it's an invitation from the Holy Spirit and the bride, the bride of Christ, which is one of, not the only metaphor, but one of the metaphors that Paul uses and in the, in the, in the book of Revelation uses to describe the church, the bride of Christ. So we're starting with a focus on the importance of being seated where God wants us to be seated in our relationship with him and our relationship with each other and our relationship with the church all over the city and all over the country and all over the world and our relationship with people who've yet come to know Jesus Christ. And every single week that we gather together, every single week that churches gather together, God wants to meet us and open our eyes to the unsearchable riches of his grace in Christ. So why not today you purpose along with me to receive the riches of his kindness toward us. Will you join me right now? Lord, we thank you for the riches of your kindness that has been bought And paid for through the sacrificial death of your son on the cross. Activated through his resurrection and ascension to your right hand father. And made alive to those who will believe the good news. So your Holy Spirit, just as he hovered over the waters when nothing had been made that has been made. Through the word of God activated the life-giving Genesis in the world. And may you continue to do that today because the Holy Spirit, the helper of the church, the life of the church, is with us this morning to make all these things come alive. And so we pray like Paul that you would give to each of us continually the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we might know you better, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to know the hope of our calling and the riches of the inheritance we have as your people and the great power that's available to us who believe that's exactly like the power that you exerted in your son when you raised him from the dead and not only raised him from the dead but seated him by your side son of God in power may we realize we've been seated at the right hand with Jesus in Jesus and may the eyes of our understanding grasp that today and we give you praise and everybody said amen Amen. Livestream audience, I want you to know something. If you haven't yet, you are a part of our church. Amen, church? Amen. You are a part of our church. If you don't have a church, if you're watching in Wisconsin, if you're watching in Alaska, if you're watching in Canada, and we have people who have been doing that at times, Arkansas, other places all around the country, if you're listening on Spotify later or Aptunes, iTunes, whatever, you're YouTubing us later on, you're a part of our church family. You're a part of our family. And, and I put these messages together for everybody. For everybody. For all of your buddies. Share them. If God touches you, pay it forward. Play it forward. Bless you. Why Ephesians? Because God wants his church to get strong in the grace of God. Because he wants to release through us a strong witness that shows the world the heart of Jesus. And the heart of Jesus is described like this love joy peace patience kindness goodness faith gentleness and self-control these are the fruit of the spirit and the spirit and jesus are in agreement the spirit is is another just like him right i'll send another just like me what is he like his heart, what's it look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those who live like this are a tree of life, the Proverbs says. But he also wants us to bear witness in a powerful way through the hand of Jesus. The hand of Jesus is his power. When Jesus healed the leper, he didn't just kindly hug him. He spoke on a word on him, be healed, and he put his hands on him. Right? But not just Jesus, Simon Peter did the same thing. So did James and John. And he told them to teach all of us throughout all the ages. And he promised to be with us through all the ages to the end of the age. Teach them to do everything I told you to do. And it wasn't just be kind. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out devils. And on and on and on. He wants to release the power and the heart of Jesus. So that's why it's important for us to find our seat. So we can live closely in intimacy with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And closely with one another in His family, the church, which is a family, a body, a flock, a bride, a temple, and an army. And we can grow up in all these things. We can grow up in all these things and experience all these things together. And so, as we started last week, the Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, has a passionate desire to usher us into our seat. Look at this verse that tells you that he does that. He, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive. He is the Father. God the Father, Ephesians chapter 2. He made us alive even when we were dead in our transgressions. Made us alive together with Christ. There's the Son. People say the Trinity, word Trinity is in the Bible. The word Trinity isn't, but here's an act of the Trinity. God the Father raised up his Son, Jesus. By grace you've been saved, by the way. We can't earn that. We can't earn that. We don't need to earn it. It's been bought and paid for by his Son, It's freely given to those who believe. Father, Son, and raised us up with Him. How did God raise Jesus from the dead? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that in the ages to come, and we're in one of those ages, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. Here's how I say it, he wants to 103 me. What's that, Psalm 103? Forget not his benefits, forgives all our sins, heals all our diseases, redeems our life from destruction, lifts us up out of a pit, crowns us with loving kindness. That's, God wants to 103 me and you. He wants to show the kindness of his grace in Christ Jesus to us. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so is everything else that he wants to do. All the other 103's are a gift as well in Christ. So is this a great seat or what? You know why it's a great seat? Because it's a grace seat. That's the great thing about it. Everybody in Christ gets the same seat. The grace seat. And here's why that is so important, why Paul prayed continually. (laughs) You know why he prayed continually that the eyes of our heart could see this? Because our eyes in our heart get on all kinds of other things. And And the light has to continue to be relit so we can keep seeing. Because our eyesight and our mindset needs an outlook that comes from a higher place than ground level. The altitude of our spiritual life is very important because altitude determines attitude. Yeah, And so when we see from the eyes of grace where we're seated, it, it will affect our perception and our perspective toward God. I can't get out of Ephesians 1. Why should I? Because I love reading over and over and over again to the praise of the glory of His grace. According to the kind intention of His will toward me. I can't get over that. My Hindu friends like mantras. Well, here's a good mantra that's real. Just spend about five minutes in the morning going to the praise of the glory of your grace. That'll even make your rainy days on Mondays turn around. Right? Perception, perspective about God, about ourselves. About ourselves and about others. It's so important. You and I are called. Every single person in the body of Christ has a calling. But And, 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 we've, and, we've, and we've, we, we've sent a bad message when we talk about, well, Johnny's called into the ministry as if everybody else in the family of God isn't. There isn't a special calling. There is special guidance in your calling and special giftedness upon your calling in mind. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. Can't you tell? You've been to some churches? Anyway, um, did I say that out loud? The old timers used to preach this in chapel. They say a a kid saw saw it in the clouds, GPC, and he thought it meant go preach Christ, and it actually said go pick cotton. It didn't say go preach. Everybody is called, but not everybody is gifted the same way. Not everybody is guided the same way. But we are all called. And God has called every one of us into God's great usher program. It's his passion. Paul describes how Jesus did this in summarizing Jesus' ministry in just a few sentences in Ephesians 2.17. He says, and he, meaning Christ, came and preached peace to you who were far away. What did he preach to people who were far away from God? What's it say? That wasn't very loud. Peace. Peace. Of course he preached repentance, of course. But you know what? Repentance means metanoia. Change your mind. He said the kingdom of God, repent, the kingdom of God is here. Which changing your mind meant changing your mind from the kingdom of God is out there and someday will come here. Repent means change your mind. The kingdom of God is it right at the reach of your hand. Right? And I'm sure he said, don't go to the movies. I'm sure he said that. And I'm sure he said, don't wear pants if you're a woman. And I'm sure he said all those things. But, but what he did say that we know is, change the mindset you have about God and about Romans and about Samaritans and about people. And it just blew their minds with that because the Pharisees said, why is your teacher spending time with tax collectors And real sinners. Well, he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both, far away and near, have our access in one spirit to the who? Father. And that's what we all need. So then you are no longer. This is this is an usher idea. You are no longer a stranger in church. You are no longer an alien. You're a fellow citizen with the saints. I love that word, because you think of saint, this, saint, that, saint. Well, Saint Declan told us today yeah. Seriously, you know what makes us a saint? The blood of Jesus. You know what? Who makes us a saint? The holy Spirit of God. And guess what? That's a gift to those who believe we are all members of God's household. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 40 sets this picture of the servant of the Lord Messiah in a shepherding idea and says that he will take the lambs and gather them close to his heart. Well, who is that he? The prophet Ezekiel described him as another David who would come and would change our heart and gather the lost and lead the lame and crippled back to himself. People who understood the Old Testament stories picked up something in an Old Testament story right away when the Ezekiel prophetic uh, message was given. And I'm sure many of them went back a thousand years from the time of Jesus to a story in the life of David when he became king over all of Israel. And he said one day, is there anyone left of Saul's family? Now, did Saul love David or not? Hmm? No. But his son Jonathan did. And they made a covenant, didn't they? And so, for Jonathan's sake, David said, Is there anybody left out there that I can show kindness to? Here's a picture of Jesus. And the heart of the father. And it happened that a servant from Saul's household named Ziba was there. And they called him into David's presence. The king said, are you Ziba? He said, yes. And the king said, is there anyone left from the family of Saul to whom I can show kindness to? Ziba said, there is a Jonathan's son, but he's crippled in both feet. He can't get to the table. He can't get to the king's presence. He can't walk there himself. He's going to need an usher. And so the king, the picture of Jesus here says, Where is he? He's living at the home of Makir in Lodabar. Lodabar in the Hebrew means a lowly place, a forgotten place. Do you remember when you were in a lowly place and forgotten? Do you remember when somehow the kindness of God came to your door? King David didn't lose a minute. He sent and got him from the home of Makir in the lowly place. And when, Mephib- and when Mephibosheth, I've practiced that all morning, when... <laughs> honey, I've figured out the name we're gonna name our son. Yeah. Come here, whatever your name is. When Mephibosheth, you try to say it. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, who was the son of the guy that wanted to kill this king of kindness, came before David, he bowed deeply, abasing himself, and said, I, well, let me, me, before we get there. David calls him by name, Mephibosheth. He calls us by name. He says, yes, sir. And then David, who a thousand years later, his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson, who is the, the one Ezekiel said, he says to him, don't be frightened. I'd like to do something special for you in memory of Jonathan. You see this covenant thing going on right here? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to return to you all the properties of your grandfather. All. And furthermore, God always has a furthermore. Way more than just being saved and sitting in a crowd. And furthermore, you're going to take all your meals at my table from here. Stuff stammering and shuffling, not looking him in the eye, Mephibosheth says, Who am I that you would pay attention to a stray dog like me? Here's why we need to stay in the book of Ephesians. Because as long as we are a who am I and you think you're a stray dog at the king's table, you're not even sure if you have permission to pick up the fork. Who are you to receive healing? Who are you to believe that God wants to restore your situation? Because you're only a stray dog. You know why it's so important that the church gets on the same page as the spirit? Because we are the ushers on the earth. And we have to send a message that's that's believable. Mm -hmm. Just as it's important, as important that people believe about eternal things. It's also important that people need to know that there is a king who wants to send the zebas out to find those who are lame in their feet and can't get home. A thousand years after this event, Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 14, in which we're going back to Luke, but here we are in Luke today. But when you give a reception right? Don't you like it when it all ties together, Ollie? And you just want to go, holy moly. Holy moly, that was Robin from a Batman. That's a different metaphor. What would Captain America? I don't know. But but when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled. Here's the thing. Let's just analyze this verse and never get around to doing it. Let's know what the Greek word for lame means. Let's study it. Let's talk about it. Let's dissect it. Just never get around to actually doing it. When you preachers, no, it doesn't say that, when you, any of you, give a reception. Well, there's a thought. God didn't call me to start a life group. Yeah, he did right there. There it is. When you give a reception, there it is. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed since they don't have the means to repay you. When will you be blessed? Next week, noob, at the resurrection of the righteous. That's why you don't quit. You don't quit because you made three extra plates of brownies and only four people showed up. Man, I wish you would get off that. I'm starting to feel guilty <laughs> about the brownies. I know, me too. And then he says, later, he says, go out at once into the streets. Oh, I'm sorry. This parable here is the father this king father heart sends out all his servants to tell everybody, everything's ready. Everything's ready. Invite everybody. And they come back and say a lot of people that they had excuses. Uh, well, I can't even tell you what they are at have time. But if we just brought up all the excuses, that's all we would do the rest of the time. He says, so, so, okay, well, they don't want it. They're too good for that. They got... Anyway, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in... Notice the description. It reminds me of Mephibosheth who lives in Lodabar. And he says, The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. There is always room. Okay, then go out into the highways. Remember, just analyze this. That's not really, we don't have to really do it. Just know it. Just memorize it. Go out into the highways and the hedges. People that are asleep on the side of the road with leaves in their hair. And compel them. To what? Usher them in. Because the Father's heart is this. So my house may be what? Filled. 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 The word compelled, see that word, compel them to come in? I looked it up in the Greek and you know what it says? It's a phrase that says, sign up for growth track. <laughs> I don't know what lexicon, that's the lexicon. I to sign up for growth track, Dustin laughed. Why do we need to find our seat? Because it changes our perspective about God, about ourselves, and about others. This is what happened to Paul. Like Paul, let's mind, let's mind the riches and join God's usher program because it's his passion. This, this scripture is totally out of context. I'm completely spiritualizing it. So I know what I'm doing and I know I'm doing that. I'm not meaning to go so you'll quit watching the rest and go... He used the scripture out of context. I know, I'm doing it. I'm just playing around. But anyway, that's why I wore this too. But anyway, (laughs) it just made me think when Paul says to Timothy, stay in Ephesus to teach people that are straying away from strange doctrines because the goal of our teaching is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So anyway, I just said that to play around. But I believe it's very important for the church to stay in the letter of Ephesians. Yes. I think it's important that we read the whole Bible. I really do. Study to show yourself approved from, from Alpha to Omega, from Genesis to Revelation. And I do believe you should still study the Old Testament and read it. Yes. The reason why the world's so whacked is because we don't preach Genesis anymore. Oh, there's a sermon. Do you ever notice the reason why we have to, people are pressing that Genesis is a myth Did you ever notice some of the sins that are mentioned in there today? Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's go on. That's a whole other thing. Let's find it interesting. Floods and stuff. Certain cities that all of a sudden didn't exist anymore because of... But why go there? That's that's a myth. (coughs) Although Jesus said, Remember Lot's wife. At the end of days. How did that get in? And then the end of days, it would be like the days of Noah. Well, who's Noah? We're not supposed to read about Noah. Anyway, let's keep going. Aren't you glad you came today? You thought I didn't know anything because I had a Captain America shirt on. But uh, we have to continue to mine our portfolio of blessings so that we can see people the way God does. And have the passion he has to usher people into their seat and we have to keep on praying that in Ephesians 1 the phrase that I pray for you is that Paul said I keep praying because I know that light bulbs go dim and you can sit in a dimming light bulb and you won't know that you're in a dimming light until you change the light bulb get afraid to go I already knew that if you're gonna get afraid about something tune out of a message because you heard it before. I promise you, we haven't heard it yet. The light of the body is the eye, Jesus said. So if your body is full of light and your church body is full of light, you'll see clearly. But if your body is full of darkness, you underestimate how dark the darkness is. But Paul minded the riches and had a passion for God's ushering program. And here's how Paul lived. You can see it in the phrases from his letters. He could see it on us. He called people saints because they were washed in the blood, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now think of this. In Ephesians 1, he calls them beloved of God, sealed with the Spirit, destined to be adopted as as sons and daughters, destined to live out the glory of God, and then a few chapters later to those same people, he said, don't steal anymore. I mean, did you get that? There were people in the church of Ephesus that hadn't gotten around to the part yet in their walk that they weren't supposed to steal from people. He didn't justify stealing, it's just the point. That a lot of times we God makes us saints before we ever become a saint. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in the first chapter, he says they're saints, blameless. Waiting on the coming of Christ and lacking no spiritual gift. And by chapter 5 he says, now about you guys tolerating sexual immorality in your church. And about you guys suing each other. He's not justifying any of it. But sometimes... Paul saw saw it on people. Whatever we see on people is how we'll treat people. Whatever we see on people is what we'll believe about people. Somebody say amen on this side of the room. If you're louder, I'll like you better. Which one? Say it over this side. Amen. Well, there's always Roberta. When I go through the weeds, I always look back for Roberta. Am I okay? Paul not only saw it on them, he called them saints and loved of God. He prayed it on us. He said, I keep on praying. He conveyed it toward us. I long to see you. He says in the book of Romans, I long to see you. He displayed it toward us encourage each other in your faith i can't wait to come see you i want to share my spiritual gift with you so you can share yours with me and we can mutually be encouraged by each other's faith the word mutually encouraged is the word strechtonite it's where we get the steroid idea the performing enhancement idea When we come together, we're not going to put on a performance, but we're going to perform in such a way by the grace of God that we're going to enhance one another by the gifts of our lives. You have to see that to be that. Make it the foundation of your ministry. Everybody in the church of Jesus Christ has a ministry. It's not what you do, it's who you are. And out of who you are, it's what you do. Make it the foundation of your ministry. Now, see, the devil is opposite of that. He wants you to believe all the junk that he knows is in your life and mine. He wants you to focus on what's below the king's table. He wants you to constantly focus on how lame you are, how lame I am. Because if he can get you in agreement with that, I guarantee you, you won't even have the confidence to pray to God, let alone step out and be the hand of Jesus to believe that God can use you to heal the sick or cast a demon out of a city. He wants you to get an agreement about your lame stuff. And I guarantee you, if nobody else will show you, Satan will show you all the lame stuff in everybody in your house, everybody in your family, everybody in your church, and me, and you. Why? Because he wants you to spread it like gangrene through the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul said that there were people in the church in Ephesus, when he was writing Timothy, who said they got caught up in useless, Quarrels and speculations and matters regarding words. And they got into division. And he's, here's how he described them. They, Christians, had been taken captive by the enemy to do his will. Whatever you see, you'll be. Whatever you see, you'll say. Whatever you say, you'll display. Good, not. This is why Paul said we have to continually pray for the light to go on because the devil masquerades as an angel of light, calling it discernment. And it's really condemnation and accusation to kill the body of Christ. Paul's perspective was different. And he stayed. The reason why he could write verses 1 through 14 in Ephesians 1, because he was minding a different input. That's a huge thing. We, We see through our eyes. And we not only need the mind of Christ, we need the eyes of Christ. And you get the eyes of Christ through the light of the Holy Spirit. Can anybody say amen? Let's keep going. Can we usher them into their seat? Because Jesus is up there. The Father's up there. The Spirit's down here. But the Spirit is in the temple. And the temple is not the building. The temple is in a body. Jesus said, destroy this body and in three days I'll raise it up. And they said, it took 46 years to build our church. Right? What church do you go to? Play with people's heads. Don't say Moss Avenue. You, you should say, it depends on where I am. <laughs> depends if there's any of my brothers or sisters in Jesus. Because if there's more than two. It could be at Applebee's. It could be at Pat's Pub. But if you want to know where we gather on Sunday morning... Most of my friends. You think that's parsing words? It's a watershed of millennium. Everybody in Christ is richer than they know. Everybody in Christ has more grace offered to them than they have. Including me. Including you. And at the same time, everyone in Christ, including me, everybody in Christ, richer than they know more grace offered than we know, every one of us, including me and you, including me and you, have areas under our table where we are lame in both our feet. I'm anointed because of a gift and I walk with the Lord, not perfectly, but outside of that grace and outside of that gift, I couldn't help you find your way to anything. We are not lame people in the sense of the derogatory term, but all of us, apart from the grace of God, all of us, including Dustin, including me, including Stephen Furtick, including you name it, including every author, every person that's ever ministered to you, every one of us, every missionary, every evangelist, every healing evangelist, the real ones and the fake ones, every one of us have lame stuff under the table. And there's a difference between covering up about your sin and being okay with your sin being covered under the table by the grace of the king that invites you to sit there. But guess what? He also is inviting other people that you know more about their lameness than you know about their destiny in the kingdom of God. And the devil does too. The question is, Who are we going to set our minds in agreement with? Because it deeply matters. We need to usher people into the body of Jesus. In other words, we need to encourage people to find out their unique identity in this operational life system on the earth of the body of Christ that doesn't just meet in a building. But meets in a building, not to just hear another sermon, but to get equipped so that they can animate the part of the body that they are. We are to usher people into the temple of the Spirit, that they understand they're a temple. And the living expression of the presence of God is in them. They're anointed. Every person is anointed as a believer. You just operate in your anointing differently than I do or you do. But God can anoint anybody. You're all anointed. Walk into the anointing of what you are anointed to be. Usher him into the family. Father, brother, sister is real. Real. Now, I'm not somebody that wants you to call me Brother Tim. I don't, I don't dig that. I don't, I, I don't dig that. I mean, uh, and you don't have to call me Reverend. and You don't have to call me Pastor. I'm Tim. What I do is Pastor. It's not who I am. What I do is shepherd the flock through preaching the word. The way I minister is by ministering the word in a way that might motivate you to want to go crazily passionate about your mission for Jesus. The flock, the bride, all that. Now, Satan has a different passion for time. Let's keep going for time. Satan has a different passion. And we all know this verse. And this is in the army metaphor of Ephesians. We're going to get there. We're going to get to all these things. You have time? We're going to get there. Paul says, this, now, now in this context, here's another reason why you stand firm. It is important to stand firm so you don't fall back into your addiction and your own personal sin. But this is a collective idea about all the metaphors have already been released. And now as an army, fight so your family grows in the body. Fight so your family stays a family. Fight and stand firm because the, he's coming for us in all these metaphors. He is coming for us in all these metaphors because he is scared to death that we'll ever believe that we sit at the king's table and have the power power that Jesus had in the earth. He's scared to death, you believe that? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's against rulers, powers, world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Here is just one of the ways he schemes through unforgiveness. In the church, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 10, if you, someone had, had sinned, they, 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 they ministered uh, church discipline in a way that was uh, God's way, this person repented, and they were coming back in, and now Paul was concerned that the church wouldn't let this person back in, and so he tells them, you're about to fall into a scheme of the devil. In that context, he says, if you forgive anyone for anything, I also forgive him. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did so, look at this, for you in the presence of Christ. Why? Because it's important. So that we may not be exploited by Satan, for we're not ignorant of his schemes. One of the schemes, I wish he only had one, but he's got a lot. One of them is to keep people out. Once they've screwed up, in. The whole goal of everything, correction church to all, is to bring somebody back into the Father's heart. Right. Yeah, right. Not to spend the rest of their life in the back of the bus thinking, well, before this, but then, ah. listen, if we have an argument with that, that's only because we have never had to fight tsunami demons. Don't worry, they'll get around to you. If you're important, they will. So important that God has a people that are passionate about other people finding their seat but you have to mind your riches to find your seat. And Paul continually prayed, this is why I keep praying. This is why I keep praying. This is why I went to camp in Ephesians one. This is why I want you to get in, sit there, sit there, sit there so you can walk there, walk there, walk there. So you can war from there, war from there, war from there. Here's how it works. Whatever our eyes are on is what we'll end up seeing and being. Look at the next slide. If our eyes are on the riches, then we're in agreement with the Holy Spirit because his passion is for me to actually believe what I'm preaching. For my eyes to be on the riches. Now here's the devil's plot. Eyes off the riches. And eyes on your rags. Eyes on your lame. Eyes on your crippled. Eyes on others. Right? He loves for us to eat off the knowledge of good and evil. Because he'll kill you that way. And if that serpent slithers from here, there's no way the church is ever going to walk in the anointing of the grace of God. No way. So, guess who he really wants to feed their mind on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Guess who he really wants? Because a little leaven. That's his plot. Eyes on the robes, that's the Holy Spirit's process. He puts robes over us. How many of you know when the prodigal came home? He got the robes and the ring. But I bet it took a few weeks to celebrate recovery. Now, the devil wants, even though you're robed, he wants you eyes on the rags and the rough. Raise your hand if you had the gift of suspicion. And you thought it was the gift of discernment. (laughs) How many of you thought your gift of suspicion was a prophetic anointing? Dr. Caroline Leaf is one of my favorites, teachers and counselors. And she says, life is too short to believe you're unlovable because someone didn't know how to love you. If there's anybody on earth and any body on earth that needs to learn how to love, it's the body of Christ. It's so important that we usher people who have said yes to Jesus into that reality that he has already said yes to them. I challenge our staff, our board, and any team leader, We want to create mechanisms so we can say yes to people when they ask us to do things in Christ. But there is a process. And before we can say yes to you, we need you to know who we are. We need you to know where we're going. And that's what growth tracks for. Because we want to say yes to you, but we're going to say, have you been to? Because we are creating doorways and pathways. Finding our seat, allowing the Holy Spirit to show us how much God loves us, but also how much he loves the world. There's something that God said to me, well, there's something that was said to me that I think was from God a couple weeks ago, and it was, Jesus was the only person on earth missing one thing that everybody else had, and it broke his heart not because he wanted what they had, it broke his heart because they had it. And everybody has this. It's not only a broken part of us, but another part of us that wants to continue to go toward the brokenness, even when we will to not. And the reason he can be merciful and compassionate is he not only knows what we do wrong. He knows that without his part in us, we can't not. But we size up people's broken parts in levels. And we think, well, well, at least I'm not. a. So therefore... We have least of these to the greatest of these. The thing is, Jesus, God, Paul says this, has turned everyone over to unbelief, everyone, so he can be merciful to everyone. I hear your wheels turning. How many like you like to go to church and, and, and you leave with your wheels turning a little bit? Henry Drummond says this, how many prodigals are kept out of the kingdom by the unlovely character of those who profess to know the king. Will you allow me in this private chat with you to pick out one, quote, unlovely characteristic found in Christian circles and then to develop it from a positive point of view? I'm thinking of the lack of encouragement in our relationships in the church. To illustrate the point, when did you last encourage someone else? Be honest. When was the last time you said something or gave something or wrote something or did something with the single motive of encouraging someone else? I firmly believe when full compassion for those who are down, needy, discouraged, feeling unappreciated and forgotten, when full compassion is released toward them like Jesus would do, you will experience heaven's ministry of encouragement. There was a brother who couldn't see like this. He was biblical, though. I mean, this brother was biblical. If you want to he biblical, is that biblical? Is that song biblical? Is that worship team biblical? Is that church biblical? In other words, we're saying, do they see the world like me? Well, the son, this son was biblical, and his brother wasn't biblical, and his brother went off and did some horrible, unbiblical things, and they truly were. He wasted everything his father gave him. Not only wasted it, he squandered it among prostitutes. Raise your hand if you know that's not biblically right to do. Help me out. You never know today. Help me out. I've got a ministry of squandering gods. Anyway, no. So, right? But he came to his senses. And he went home. And you know what he thought? He thought what he was taught. He thought what he was taught. And what he was taught was, you disqualified yourself, you're out. And if you're lucky, you can be one of your father's ranch workers or slave workers. But you can never be Because once you this, he has taught that because that was in his head. And so when he comes up over the ridge and he's already worked out what he's going to say to line up with what he was taught, the sinner's prayer. What chapter is the sinner's prayer in? What chapter is it in? Where's the chapter that we're supposed to have an altar call? I'm not saying we shouldn't. Just where's the chapter? There's a lot of things that we think and do. They're not wrong, but they've become biblical. Biblical. In other words, it's the way we see it. And so the son comes close to the house after realizing that there is some kind of party going on. I mean, it's a blowing out party. I mean, Cool and the Gang, they were there. Katy Perry was, I don't know. I don't know who was there. I don't know who was there. Sure, that wouldn't have been biblical. They couldn't have been there. Somebody was there, and I'm sure they were playing biblical music. No Australian music, biblical music. Nothing from Bethel. Biblical, like songs that sounded like honky-tonk music with Jesus on it, that biblical. And the brother, co- oh, I'm taking too long. I was right on my way until I started down this road. And this mat is to keep me on course. And I went off course, so I'm going to get back on the mat because the mat is biblical. <laughs> Behind the pulpit. But we don't have a wooden pulpit, so probably not biblical. And we don't have any paneled walls behind us. I don't what are we gonna anyway? I've been doing this thirty-two years, I gotta keep myself interested. So the brother, the biblical brother comes back and says, Father, listen. How many years have I worked like a slave for you? performing every duty you asked as a faithful son. And I've never once disobeyed you. You've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends. And this son of yours, he is no longer a brother because in his world, he just clipped the brother thing. This son of yours This son of yours, not my brother. He's reminding God of him being too gracious. God's not being biblical with this kid. Look at him. Wonder who's talking to him. Wonder who's talking to him. The snake that wanted him to focus on the knowledge of good and evil. Look at him. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes, reckless living. And here you are, God, throwing a great feast to him, for him. And the father says, my son. God still feels the same about that son as he does that son. And some of us, and I'm guilty of this, we can swing it way over at all those mean legalists and we can treat them like the devil would treat them. Because we're mad because they weren't being merciful like Jesus. Hey, Satan knows how to get you in the pit on the right side of the road and the left side of the road. Anybody listening? Might save your life. How do I know this? Because I've been on both pits. He comes back, blah, blah, blah. The father says, my son, you're always with me by my side. You're always at the table. The food's always in front of you. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. What a thought. It's only right to rejoice and celebrate because your brother was dead. Your brother was dead. There are people out there dead. Jesus is walking around in the streets of dead people. Jesus was walking around in the streets of the dead priests and the dead preachers and the dead synagogue uh, gatherers and the dead prostitutes and the dead lepers and the dead blind people and the dead Romans and the dead Samaritans. And he was the only one on the whole earth that didn't have what all of them had. That's why he wanted to be merciful to all. That's why he came and preached peace to those far away and peace to those near away. Man, I wish I could preach this right. Your brother was dead. And if you saw him as your brother, that would break your heart. But you don't see from this altitude. I'm trying to get you to see. He's back with us. Find a seat for your brother. And why don't you take a seat? Because if you're not taking your own, you're blocking his ministry. He was lost. And now he's found. I close with this. The way I see me, I see you. When I tell you I'm seeing you, I'm showing you me. Nobody ever knows what Bob Dylan's songs really mean. They just only show you what they are and think a Bob Dylan song is. When you stand in front of a portrait and you say what it means, all you're really doing is saying what you think it means. I see me, I see you. We process and project always. So what we see of him and each other is so very important. Because it's revealed. Whatever we see is what we reveal. I show you me. By saying what I see. And I also, I also show you who's talking to me. I show you who is talking to me by what I say, then I see. And Jesus said, Be careful how you hear. Take every thought, because I tell you, Satan has the goods, not the goods, on all of us. And if there are people in your circle open to listen, you know what the scripture says? love covers a multitude of sins beautiful holy spirit beautiful holy spirit i want everyone to stand please the holy spirit is going to bathe this room right now jesus 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 The Holy Spirit is going to bathe this room in the mercy and love of God. From the back to the front, He's going to melt away. He's going to melt away toxicity. He's going to melt away the fear that you have to protect yourself and protect your image that he's going to help you understand how to process through the wounds and the hurts and the false accusations and the labels that you've worn that bumper stickers that people have put on you man 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 this is powerful that have put on you since you've been a kid he's right in this room he's just going to bathe you here's the one thing he asks Here's the one thing He asks. Those who put the bumper sticker on, those who spoke the label over you, give them to Jesus. Not asking Him to bring wrath. Just give them to Jesus. He knows what to do with it. And as you give them, He's going to release you. I see right now keys unlocking prison doors, even among princes of grace, women of God. The Holy Spirit is bathing this room right now bathing this room bathing this room the older brother syndrome the need to protect the church the need to protect people from not veering left veering right which you think is a ministry it's not a ministry it's not a ministry there is a ministry for that But fear is not the motivation of that kind of ministry. The mercy of a shepherd heart is. There's a complete difference. Bring that to the foot of Jesus and let him wash your soul out. Let him wash your soul out. Let him wash. Someone needs to repent. Not of some wicked sin that they think. But the heart that's not wealthy and can't see the wealth of grace in others. Someone needs to repent of that today because there is a there's a bitterness that's rooted in that that's defiling your circle. There's a your circle, and God's not saying this to condemn you, but he's telling you to, to alert you. Your circle, the things you're praying for God to do, the 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 way you're seeing it. Is making the root that pollutes stronger. And he's opening your eyes, and they're only gonna listen. I'm telling you this: whoever you are, and you might be watching, the window for you to move on that will shut if you don't move on it. Because the people involved in it are not going to change yet, regardless. But you can change now because God showed you how you. Are to change, and when you change, the whole equation will change in the name of Jesus. Repent in a good way so God can liberate. The, he's bathing the Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Some people are going to get so passionate about Usher, and it's not about starting a program, it's about you. You, you just, you're not going to be able to wait. You can be able to wait. Get in the house of the Lord because you're going to be all about the ministry of encouragement. You want everybody to find their seat. Let there be such an anointing on this Lord. Anybody want to come up and just stand in the rain of the the blessing of God? Feel free to do it. Anybody just want to believe that God might want to heal you and show you kindness today? Un, you've been praying about something for a while but God said something to you today and you got a confidence now you got something to bring to the Lord that you actually think you can touch the hem of his garment I encourage you to come find a place to stand in the rain that he's bathing the room he's bathing the room in Jesus name alright